Naptime nightmares, day one. My last patient woke up after his autopsy. Starting autopsy at 8.53 p.m. Not sure why they demanded such urgent results, but as long as they pay me, I ain't asking any questions. I spoke into my tape recorder as I held onto the bone saw. Maybe it was too much information, but it wasn't like anyone else would be transcribing my annoyed messages. I let out a sigh before starting with my first step, which would be to create a Y incision into the chest cavity. Then I could get a hold of the organ I cared most about, namely the heart. So here we have a John Doe, can't be older than 30, cause of death unknown. I kept talking, the words echoing around the empty autopsy room. It was an odd sensation to feel so alone when there were technically a dozen people surrounded me. Sure, they were dead and kept in mortuary coolers, but they had been a person once upon a time, the full life and stories no one would ever hear again. The saw buzzed loudly, vibrating violently through my palm as I pressed it against the stranger's chest. Each time I did it, my mind wandered onto horror movies where the patient suddenly woke up mid-autopsy, screaming their lungs out, although I knew that couldn't happen to me. No, this John Doe was well and dead, though what exactly had killed him remained a mystery. His body was flawless, athletic, and rid of any outer wounds. Even the blood report didn't mention any drugs, legal or recreational. As with most of these bizarre cases, I suspected some kind of undiagnosed heart disease. Should that be the case, I worried the results might not even show up on a histology slide. Well, everything seemed to be in place. No discoloration on the lungs. Flora is nice and shiny. I said to myself as I detached the pink, fleshy balloons from the chest cavity to check for inflammation or any sign of edema. But as expected, they were in perfect shape. What a goddamn waste. Next was the heart, which held my proposed cause of death, a lethal arrhythmia. Unfortunately, that idea didn't help me much, unless I found some gross clues to confirm my diagnosis. I sliced through the heart muscle, measured the thickness, and looked for scar tissue. As I suspected, it looked perfectly healthy. To the naked eye, it was the perfect heart, one that should have kept going for at least 50 more years. Then I had to keep moving further down to the abdominal cavity. I hated that part in particular. The smell of stomach contents of the cut open intestines was something I never got used to. Still, each inch of the 15 feet long organ had to be checked thoroughly. Intestines are clean, no mass, no disformities, as healthy as can be. I sighed. The only thing that was missing was the brain, but that wasn't my task to complete. I'd been specifically instructed to leave the last part for the head of the department. So, as I still didn't know the true cause of death, I went over the organs one more time. Once I had thoroughly investigated each of them, I just tossed them back into the abdominal cavity and sewed the patient back up. I'm sorry this happened to you, whoever you are, I told the dead man as I put in the last stitch. The least I could do was get him presentable for the anonymous funeral he'd inevitably have. Once I covered the poor man back up, I tossed my bloody gloves into the trash and removed my post-mortem apron. I had already stayed hours beyond my shift, and it was time to get some much-needed rest. Then, as I went to turn the lights off, I saw something move ever so slightly in the reflection of the mirror. I turned around quickly, sure that my mind had been playing tricks on me. 
but sure enough, the cadaver had moved ever so slightly, its arm hanging off the side of the table. I went back to put the arm back up, just to give the poor sap a bit of dignity. Then, as I touched the arm, it grabbed onto me. The man I'd just autopsied sat up straight on the table and opened his mouth as trying to scream. Naturally, since I disconnected his lungs to shred, not a single sound came out. But he didn't need to, because his eyes said enough. He was unbearably... He was in unbearable agony, and he'd soon learn why. I fell backwards onto the ground in shock, horrified at the scene that was unfolding in front of me. The man tried to push himself off the table, but was unable to hold himself up for long, as the abdominal muscles had been cut, along with his guts being scrambled beyond recognition. He reached out for a hand, as if asking for my help, but I couldn't move. I just stood there in shock, wondering if I should call for help or just run. Even had I tried to save him, he was already dead, with his body beyond repair. He was alive. How he was alive was an impossible mystery. After the initial shock had faded, I finally came to my senses. The man, whatever bizarre situation was keeping him alive, needed help. I got him off the ground and moved him onto a clean table. When he still couldn't talk, I knew I needed to keep him calm, lest he tear his abdominal stitches open. Don't worry, I'm here to help you. Just try not to move, all right? I said as I checked his vitals. Sure enough, his heart wasn't beating, nor was there any breath sounds. His organs were beyond a shadow of doubt destroyed. His death was an objective fact, yet he sat there, alive, in front of me. A million thoughts ran through my mind, but in the end, the only thing I could think was, what happened to you? Of course, he still couldn't speak. Hold on a second. I continued as I rushed to grab a pen and paper. He took them from me and wrote with big, uncoordinated letters. Dead? It was such a weird but simple question. I could do nothing but nod in agreement. I'm sorry. I was trying to find out what killed you. Do you remember? He took the paper again and wrote down a few words. Chest, heart, then black. His sentence structure was so simple and his handwriting almost resembled that of a child. Whether his brain was damaged from the lack of oxygen or if it had always been his style, I couldn't tell. But my initial assumption was probably correct, that he had died from a heart attack. Do you know where you are now? He shook his head. You are in a awe. Uh, I trailed off. I couldn't bring myself to tell him what had happened, nor did I have to, because he quickly noticed the Y-shaped wound on his chest. He put his hands to where his heart used to be and tried to feel for a beat, but there was nothing there to be felt. What happened? He wrote on the paper. You, you went through an autopsy. Your heart, it, it, it's gone. But I come back. What do you mean? From the bad place. Those were the words that sent shivers down my spine. It opened up the door to a bunch of questions I hadn't yet considered. Where had he gone after he died? I hesitated for a moment. Religion had never been an easy subject for me, but living without knowing had proven to be a good middle ground. Still, I had to ask, because I couldn't keep my curiosity I couldn't keep my curious bone asleep for any longer. What is the bad place? I finally asked after what felt like an eternity of hesitation. His eyes filled with fear. He started jotting down some barely illegible notes onto paper. His shivering hands punctured a hole in the paper, but it didn't matter. It just gave him, I just gave him a new one. So many years, I just wanted to come back. It hurt. It hurts now, you mean? He shook his head and kept writing. Yes, but less than in the bad place. 
The idea of him fighting his way back from literal afterlife horrified me beyond the events that were unfolding before me. I had so many questions, but I didn't know how to phrase them properly. Based on his body decomposition, the man hadn't been dead for more than 12 hours. How long were you there? I asked. He drew down a number. 100. 100 what? Days? Months? Years? Years. By then, his paper was full of panic jargon. I brought him a few new ones. I brought him a few new ones, and he kept writing. Don't let me go back. I won't. We'll figure something out. Then it hit me. I didn't even know this man's name. What's your name? He looked puzzled by the question. Don't remember, he wrote. I still mulled over the question of whether or not I should call for help. When we him, I was out of my depths. Chances are, if I did ask for help, they'd lock him up in a lab and study him. If that was going to be the case, I needed to know as much as possible before they took him away. It was either that, or keep him hidden for the rest of his miserable existence left on Earth. What struck me the most was his expression. His face was clearly one of agony. If anything, I needed to end his pain. At first, I thought about giving him a heavy cocktail of pain medication, but without a functioning circulatory system, the drugs wouldn't go anywhere. I can't take away the pain. I'm sorry. He looked disappointed, but not surprised. Listen, I know this is a lot to ask, but I need you to tell me more about the bad place. I need to know what happened. He shook his head, the panic lighting up in his eyes once more. Please, I need to know. With great trepidation, he took another piece of paper from the pile I'd laid in front of him. Then, with trembling hands, he started writing down his story, carefully spelling out each word as not to cause a misunderstanding. I sat by his side, waiting patiently as the clock approached midnight. He filled out one page by page in detail, his face never losing its look of horror. Then he finally finished his story. He gave me one last look of pity, akin to a wordless warning. He didn't want me to read it, but I didn't have a choice. My basic instinct, my basic instinct was always to find answers that were readily available, and I couldn't turn away from this one, no matter how much it frightened me. I sat down next to the man and started reading, page by page, and went over his story, my eyes widening with each passing word. Once I was done, I didn't speak. I didn't even think. I just walked over to the nearest scalpel, picked it up, and returned to the table. The man looked at me with fear in his eyes. He couldn't utter a single word, so he couldn't ask me what I was about to do. It was probably the best that way. He tried to get up, but he wasn't strong enough. So when I plunged the knife into his eye socket, he could only scream silently in pain. I kept hacking away at him, cracking through his skull and destroying the brain. I just prayed he would return to death once I was done. I'm sorry, but I can't let people know the truth, I cried as I kept hacking away at the broken man. I cut myself pretty bad on his fractured bones, so when the blood started spurting, I couldn't tell whether it was coming from me or him. Still, I didn't stop. It might have been a selfish decision, but I needed to keep his words to myself, even if it meant destroying him. Once I was done, I burned the paper that held the answers to the afterlife. Not knowing was better, but despite the man being gone, and the only proof of his journey to the bad place being burnt to ashes, I'll never forget what I read. It was a mistake. Thanks for tuning in to Naptime Nightmares. Check out our social media accounts for information on a giveaway.